This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. There are dozens of songs out there about Seattle, and I caught up with three artists to talk about songs they wrote as a dedication to the city that we call home. My name is Jake One. I'm a producer, DJ, I guess kind of an artist <laughs> sometimes as well from Seattle. He's worked with a lot of big names in his career, including Drake, Dr. Dre, MF Doom, Nipsey Hussle, and many more. But he's also worked with a lot of local artists. His song Home featured artists that influenced him. It was a dedication to the music scene that he grew up in. You know, which was early to late 90s, you know, local hip hop, um, which, you know, at the time felt really unappreciated. So I just felt like it was only right for me to put like, you know, the guys that I looked up to and, uh, you know, that I thought were really dope on a song and put it on my album, make it the last song. It just made sense to me. And and talk about each of these guys that contributed to this track and, and what you love about who they are as artists. So first uh, was Vitamin D, who was really like, you know, he's only a couple years older than me, but he was really the first guy that I got to be around that was making like really dope music and this is like i don't know 92 93 when we were in high school so he was just always it still is like an inspiration to me um and you know he was mixing the album already and you know he's he doesn't really want to rap that often but i just figured i had to get him on there i wanted him on there winter time is the therapy season they say the overcast depresses the studs grow but they make rain clouds my that's blunt smoke second on the song was C-Note, who was also uh, in a group called Narcotic that I really used to just love a lot of their songs. They put out a tape, I want to say in like 93 or 94, called Intro to the Central. That's probably, it's one of my favorite like Seattle rap albums. South side, west side, the lapidated gentrified. 40 ounce for breakfast, macchiato when I'm high. Promise to make a mind. She let me get it, rain, sleet, shine. Yeah, that's Seattle state of mind. That we had Maine, uh, Maniac B, who uh, was in a group of Vitamin at the time. And he's just one of my favorite characters in the city. Like, <laughs> he was just always, like, the funniest dude. Still is. Um, I think he goes by the Deaf Chef now. But, like, I felt like at the time he didn't really know what it was, what this was for or what it was about. And I know he always tells me every time I see him that he's surprised how big it got. And he said he would have tried harder on the song. But I think it was perfect because he had the most memorable line when he said, uh, I hope Seattle win. I watched Seattle lose. Like, who couldn't relate to that? That's That's been our experience. Nate Burleson wearing that Seattle blue. Bosworth made all the Seattle blue. The Sonics let Kim go. Seattle's throw. I read Seattle Times. I watch Seattle News. I hope Seattle win. I watch Seattle lose. And then finally, uh, you know, we put Ish uh, from Diggable Planets uh, slash Shabazz Palaces uh, on the song. And the thinking with that was that, you know, I I had known about him since he was like a high school basketball player. Like I watched him play for Garfield when I was probably in middle school or something. And, you know, he ends up making it and, and does this incredible uh, project albums with uh, Diggable. But I think people didn't really know he's from Seattle. So I just thought it was only right to get him on there, too. And he really like 
he came through and recorded it at the studio in South Lake Union that's no longer there. And I just remember being like shocked at how good it was. Um, yeah, it's that's me, white and free, banging J Soup LP in the hood, like the young, young bang LP Union Jackson, yes, sir, two, three. This line that the song always goes back to is, damn, it feels good to talk about home. Yeah. What does talking about home, how does that feel good to you? I mean, you know, it was funny at that time, um, I think I had moved to the Bay Area for like a year, and I think I was just like, I had come home, you know, maybe in, which, in that year, and it just kind of like... It's, it's funny, until you live somewhere else, you don't realize how you miss just the simple things. Just, you know, having a memory of every... I mean, I have a memory of so many just places in the city at this point, because I've lived here so long. Um, you know, being like one of the rare <laughs> born and raised people here, and everybody in the song was born and raised too. So it's almost like, just harkens back to a whole different time in the city and what it was like. But yeah, that was, that, you know, just... I always liked that that line, and it was a line from... Um, you know, old various songs from like the early 90s I used to listen to, and I just threw that on there um, as kind of just the ending going into every hook. And then I basically put like a ton of different local hip hop songs in the choruses. So like, I don't know how many songs are in there. There's probably like, I don't know, 15 different songs if you go through all the choruses, so. We're exploring the stories behind songs about Seattle here on Sound and Vision on KEXP. And this next artist wrote a song about Seattle that ultimately kicked off his career in music and comics. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Lewis. I'm a New York City-based songwriter and comic book artist. And I've uh, played many shows in Seattle over the years. Tell me, what inspired your song about Seattle? Fighting for survival is such a boring battle. Wanna get into my car, I wanna drive out to Seattle, where the used record stores have much better prices. But I don't have a car, and I don't have a license. Well, it was one of the first songs that I wrote, actually. I started making up songs, you know, sometime around late 1997. Uh, early 98 and just started playing open mics in New York City and I had recently been on a road trip to Seattle uh, in uh, summer of 97 and I just remember I, I had been in Seattle one time before on Grateful Dead tour when I was a teenager going around with friends to Grateful Dead shows around the country that was my first time on the west coast that was probably 94 and as a comic book artist Seattle was very compelling to me because Fantagraphics Comics, like one of my favorite publishing companies, was there, and I met some people that were involved in the comic scene in Seattle, and um, some famous comic book artists like uh, Peter Bagg and other people were associated with Seattle. It was sort of like a mecca in the 90s for alternative comics and stuff that I loved. So being there for the first time just for that Grateful Dead show in the uh, early mid-90s, 94-ish, really kind of put Seattle in my mind as a place that could potentially be cool for me to live after getting out of college maybe. And then when I went back there on this other road trip in 97, just before I started making up songs, 
I was, you know, obsessively buying 60s cheap vinyl everywhere, which, you know, something I still do. It's just much harder to find them cheap nowadays than it was compared to the, you know, 90s. So on that road trip in 97, I remember finding the first Blues Magoos album in some little shop in Seattle for $5. And I thought that was, you know, it was, it was an exciting thing to find at a good price for me at that time. So that put in my mind, not only does Seattle have a cool comic book scene, they've got cheap psychedelic 60s used records. These are like two things that are the most important things in the world to me. So, you know, whenever I was making up that song uh, in sort of the first batches of songs that I started making up, early 98, when I started hanging out at open mics in New York City. Seattle, just in my mind, was like a cool potential place to move to. I just graduated college. It was like, didn't know what shape my life was going to take. And it just was like a shimmering mirage on the horizon. Like maybe that would be a place where I might make a life someday. So in this song, you know, the first lines are, you know, I want to get into my car. I want to drive out to Seattle. Fighting for survival is such a boring battle. Wanna get into my car, wanna drive out to Seattle. Where the what inspired you to drive out Seattle within the song's context? I mean, you're, you're asking this question of a 45-year-old man who was like, you know, 22 when he wrote that song. I was very unrooted. I mean, I had no, I just wanted to be a comic book artist. I had no money. I was just being a starving artist living in New York City and... Seattle seemed like someplace where maybe I would go start a life in the comic book industry. I mean, that was what else would I need? Comic book industry to hopefully get a job and places where I could buy records for cheap. That Those were like the two primary things that seemed important to me. So that to me was like, hmm, maybe I should go to Seattle. But of course, I didn't have a car and I had four dollars. get into my car. I want to drive out to Seattle where the used record stores have much better prices. But I don't have a car and I don't have a license. Should I take another walk to the DMV? Get another learner's permit with a picture of me. I'd put it in my wallet along with my four dollars and the condom that's still in there that is probably expired. It's funny like you saying this is like one of the first songs that you ever wrote. I mean how would you describe how your comic book career and your music career has has evolved since writing this particular track i've ended up having a music career which was totally unbeknownst to me at the time when i wrote that song at that time i was completely on the mental track that i was on my way to being a comic book artist and professional illustrator of some sort and it was just because i was so lonely and broke and had nothing else to do with my time that I ended up hanging out at these open mic nights in New York City because it was a great place to do illustrations. I would sit there with my sketchbook and I would, you know, draw all the performers and I would also sell my comic books there. I was, you know, I'd bring copies of my comics and I started bringing copies of cassettes of my songs and playing the open mics, making up more songs. And it sort of opened a whole new door to me of a way to interact with the public that I wasn't having as a comic book artist, just sitting alone in my apartment drawing comics all day. It was like, oh, if, I, if I'm playing music and playing these songs that I'm making up, then it's a chance for me to say, hey, everybody, by the way, I have this tape of songs for $3, and I have these comic books that I made for $2. And I started, you know, building a very small fan base of people that would come see my shows, people that were excited to see me play, and people that were buying my comics and buying my tapes, and one thing just kind of led to another in the music realm with people offering me gigs, you know, do you want to play this show? Hey, do you want to put your albums out 
these recordings on a record label, the, you know, eventually leading into opportunities to go on tour. Other bands, you know, had offered to take me on tour as an opening act. And within a few years, it was this strange realization like, huh, I guess I'm a performer now. And meanwhile, I'm still making my comic books, but the primary audience for my comics turned into my music world listeners. So I kind of, you know, slowly found myself not even bothering to send my comics to comic publishers anymore because I had this whole other, you know, of just selling comics as my music merchandise and finding a, a wonderful reaction through that realm. So I just got it siphoned into the music world. Even though I never stopped drawing comics, I'm still, you know, working on comics all the time and making up songs. And, it, you know, amazingly to me, 20 years later, it's still going on. Living in the city where I'm working like a walrus But man, I don't need your money, man, I'm gonna be an artist And I'm feeling like I wanna do whatever I feel inside I put it all on paper and I'll hope that people buy it And my only minor worry is how to pay the rent But that won't even matter when I lose my apartment Man, I'll really have no worries I'll be just like a cassette That you've taped up the tabs of to put something new on it And when I hit record, God only knows what I will be and if there is no God, then it's a better mystery. Uh, my name is Emily Noakes, and I sing in Taco Cat and also play the tambourine. And this little band has a song about this city. It's called I Love Seattle. I, I mean, you may remember this. There was an article that came out in like 2015 that was really a huge deal because it was basically saying that Seattle's fault line was going to make it eventually just fall into the ocean. Like that the next earthquake was going to be like the big one. I do remember this because it was literally months before I moved from the Midwest to Seattle. And that article came down and my dad was like, did you read this? Any moment they could have a magnitude nine earthquake. It's just a ticking time bomb. It's just a matter of time. And this person wrote this article and they said that they will never spend the night in Seattle because they think it's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. And it was so, it was like really long. And I think she actually won a Pulitzer Prize for it. It was just like shocking news to everybody. It was so widely shared. So part of that was kind of like, well, shoot, I guess if this is going to happen, like everyone was talking about how they were going to move somewhere else, you know, kind of half in jest, but sort of like half serious. I was like, now if it's going to happen, we should just embrace it, you know, like ride the big one out in Seattle. Um, so that was sort of where I really got interested in wanting to write a song. So I, I just looked it up. So the new it was a it was an article in the New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> called the really big one. <laughs> <laughs> the really big one. I mean, yeah, because you got lyrics like earthquake tsunami, there's no place I'd rather be. Yes. <laughs> and is that true? Like even if an earthquake came, like there's no place you'd rather be? Well, something else was happening around that time, too, where it was like, sure, I would 
I'd stay here for that. Or, you know, it's kind of like when you tour a lot and you're like, oh, I should live here. And then everyone tells you what the terrible thing is in their hometown. It's like, don't move here. The winters are bad. Don't move here. Everyone's racist, like whatever. So it's bad everywhere. But another thing that was happening around that time was we had actually thought about moving as a band a couple different times. So this was kind of like right in the, you know, new condos going up every 15 minutes, all of our old spots getting torn down. So that was this kind of poignant moment when we were like, actually, we're going to stay. Like, it's important to stay for us right now because we want to try to be like the force of good instead of just like getting so sick and tired of it that we're leaving. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like, I'm staying no matter what. Earthquake, coders on the hill taking over all of our spots like we're just we're just gonna stay we're gonna weather it (laughs) I mean when you were thinking about moving away from Seattle why were you thinking about moving and what places were you considering um I think it was one of those things where the rents were going up so much that it felt like well what are we getting out of this we go to New York and at least they have things that are open all the time, or there's something to do all the time, or you go to LA and it's like, at least the weather's nice. So there was a little bit of bitterness and just like, geez, if I'm going to be paying like premium rent, I want more big city amenities or, you know, just all the grass is greener stuff when you travel and see other things and think like, oh, I could live here. Uh, Yeah. So we had been thinking about that, thinking about just like not really wanting to have our practice space on Capitol Hill anymore because it was getting sort of dangerous. So things like that were factors. But, you know, in the end, it all sort of, we did weather the storm and things calmed down. And of course, you know, new stuff crops up where you think maybe there'll never be any cool art or music again. And it it does happen. It happens all the time. It's like nature, you know, something dies, something cool comes up. It's fine. <laughs> And I know I've talked to Taco Cat about this in the past. You weren't at this actual interview, but, you know, a question that has come up is, you know, is Seattle a town for artists? And it seems like it was something that, you know, you thought about or the band thought about for a minute. Mm -hmm. But, you know, five, six years later, do you what kind of town do you think Seattle is for musicians like Taco Cat after, you know, we've seen this explosive growth It's still growing, not to the extent that it was, you know, five years ago. But, you know, with with all the change we've seen in Seattle, what kind of town do you think it is for artists? Well, I think that there are certainly a lot of really amazing artists here. Like, there is really genuinely, like, a lot of cool stuff going on. And there always sort of has been in a way that feels really interesting and not very competitive, sort of collaborative and fun. So there's this part of it where it's like the artists themselves, I think, are doing a great job. But as far as the infrastructure of the city, I mean, it's really complicated. I think that Seattle thinks in a lot of ways that it's a music city, maybe a little bit more on paper than it is in real life, you know, where there's like, you know, you can't just tear down someone's punk house and then build a condo and call it like, you know, I won't name names, but, you know, call it like a music word that gestures at the grunge period of Seattle and think that that somehow like connects those things because that's actually breaking something. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's certain things that I think that we could be doing better. I think that we could be doing a better job at 
all ages venues having a little bit more leeway with like, I mean, it's all city stuff, you know, it's like we have very puritanical liquor laws for a place that prides itself in, you know, legalizing marijuana and gay marriage. It's like putting people that drink beer in a cage or vice versa with kids seeing shows. It's just, it's old and it, you know, they do it differently in other states and it works really well. So there's certain things that I would change and that I think that Seattle's a little bit, you know, like creaky <laughs> about. But as a whole, I think that it is really supportive of, like, I think that there's a lot of people here that want to see and genuinely want to support the arts. And there's people that genuinely want to make art. So that's, that's what you need <laughs> in essence. So, yeah. So my final question is, this song is called I Love Seattle. I'm curious for you, why do you love Seattle? What are some reasons why you love Seattle? Oh my gosh. I love Seattle because it is so, so, so beautiful. And I know that, you know, that's just like a common thing that everyone says, but it's really true. Like touring all of the states, like being gone a lot, every single time we'd come home, it's like the contrast is shocking. It's so green. It's so blue. <laughs> it's really, it's really something special. Like it reminds me that that's why the rain happens. <laughs> that's why we go through all of that is so that we can have this. And it's especially easy to say right now because it's summer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I love that about Seattle that it's just like really pretty. You can find some nature within like you know, five minutes of wherever you are. It's like pretty neat in that way and pretty unique in that way, I think, for a city.
That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.